This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the well- Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. My name is Melanie. I'm an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And my name is Kimberly, and I'm a registered dietitian. And we have a wonderful special guest here today with us, Miss Brittany Reed, who has a doctorate in clinical psychology, and she's one of our lifestyle educators here at Positive Choice. Welcome to the podcast. Woo-hoo! Thanks, you guys. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Uh, so something that we've been doing on this show just lately is, you know, kind of get started with something that brings us joy. So I was just going to start the conversation, you know, get rolling into that, you know, Kimberly, what brings you joy? Yes. What brings me joy? Lately, today, specifically. There you go. Today, specifically. <laughs> well, I did do this today, so it did bring me joy. Okay. Um, I've been trying to get in a little bit of movement like early in the morning as opposed to mm-hmm. waiting until after I get off of work. And so I got up, got some stretching in, you know. Felt like it started my day off on the right foot. So I was like, I'm awake. I'm here for it. Oh, I love <laughs> so that. that. Was making me happy. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful, Kimberly. Oh, my goodness. Brittany, what brings you joy today? Uh, today, well, I too, I came into our podcast breathing a little heavy because I was getting in my movement too, <laughs> doing yes. my squats and a little bit of push-ups here. But um, also too, I did my call map this morning, which I don't think I was thinking, gosh, I don't think I ever get all of that done in (laughs) in a day. So that was a nice, I guess that was a nice morning. Yes. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. That's Um, fabulous. Yeah. Melanie, what about you? (laughs) Well, what brings me joy is the fact that I could open all my windows and get a nice breeze in my house today. (laughs) So that's been great up. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I don't know when this episode's going to get released, but we've been going through this bizarre, hot, cold, hot, cold thing. Today's one of the cold, uh, which mm-hmm. I don't mind. Uh, so I'm definitely taking advantage of the breeze. So that's what's bringing me joy today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Well, yes. with that, then I'm really actually very excited about our topic today because we were just discussing what would be some cool things to talk about. And then of course, who could bring onto the show? We decided, you know, let's ask Brittany. She seems like a great person to bring on the show because (laughs) something that she mentioned she wanted to talk about was how we can keep ourselves internally calm when it feels like our world is spiraling into chaos. And I thought that'd be a, a really good episode to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. So I think a good way to start that off that's just coming to mind for me is this idea that I talk a lot about in my groups about um, when there's huge storms kind of being that oak tree that sits in the storm that can be very, very still and the leaves around, you know, are kind of wishing around and they get a little bit chaotic. But that internal, that oak tree just kind of sits there throughout the storm. And how can we be more like that in our daily living? How can we build that resilience inside um, throughout our journeys in our lives? Um, and I feel like that's what really needs to be brought out into the world and in our culture. And that's a big piece I feel like that is missing. So a lot of times um, we talk a lot about that in in our groups because uh, some of the groups that I teach mainly with the um, 
the meal replacements, a lot of people are talking about um, not just losing weight, but how we can get this mindset change, lifestyle change going. Um, and we have these urges or cravings, right, that will come up um, maybe a few weeks into being on the meal replacements. And a lot of times those urges have triggers that happen long before, right? Sometimes maybe even things we have no idea what they're, what, where they come from. Sometimes they come from seeing something. Sometimes they come from inside. Um, sometimes they come from childhood, right? So we don't really understand where things are ne necessarily coming from. So if we can build an awareness, sort of an emotional intelligence um, of self-awareness, self-management, um, managing relationships, we can start to understand that I have control over maybe not necessarily the emotions that are coming up, but the feelings that I'm having. And with that, I'm able to then decide what I want to do with those feelings. And so if I have more control over the thoughts I'm having, the feelings I'm having, then I'm going to feel a lot more control for the decisions I'm going to be making over my food choices, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I don't think a lot of people, or at least it doesn't come to your mind that you do have control over your thoughts and that kind of thing, because it's so easy to spiral, you know? I, the first right? thing you said was the willow tree, and my first thought was that meme of the dog sitting in the room that's on fire going, this is fine. And I was like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's so a lot great. of times too, it comes up. So, and that makes me think of another great analogy, kind of a, more of a, um, like Eastern philosophical kind of John Kabat-Zinn, um, analogy of when we first learn to kind of meditate or quiet the mind, we have to, we could think about like, um, a, a little puppy running around, right? So if the mm -hmm. puppy is running around and running around and running around, we, uh, we have to learn how to take care of that puppy, right? We can't just say, forget about it. Now I have this puppy. I'm not going to take care of it. It's the same thing as learning to quiet our internal world or learning to practice a mindful meditation. Um, it takes time and it takes practice day in and day out. And it takes that awareness and that patience and that breathing to take care of that puppy, right? And over time, as we manage that puppy, the puppy comes and eventually we'll hopefully come and sit next to us and cuddle us and, and change. Right. And that's the same thing as our minds. We have these like puppy minds, right. When we first <laughs> start to try to go inside, right. And, and yeah, check that, yes. that internal world out. Yeah. Oh, that's a good descriptor for it. I feel like like to, to put a picture to it. Cause I'm such a visual person. That's like, I feel so seen right now. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's that. That tracks. So mm -hmm. I guess a good question I have, like, you know, what got you really interested in this 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 topic in particular? You know, with yes. the, the the chaos that we experience, right? So, uh, well, it makes me remind me of when I was in my doctorate program. My son was two, and um, I mm -hmm. was like very ambitious <laughs> and I was all over the place. Mm -hmm. So my, my world was chaotic and, um, I had to learn how to manage a lot of things at one time. And I was, uh, was privy to a lot of new skills through my program on meditation, some of these internal ideas. And mm -hmm. there was, um, one of my mentors had mentioned this idea that a lot of people seek 
happiness, right? A lot of people seek happiness and happiness is just an emotion. It will come and it will go, right? So it's kind of this illusion almost that, you know, this is why people are always chasing it. What we really need to seek is peace inside. And when we feel that peace inside and we cultivate that peace inside, um, again, like everywhere, anywhere we go, we can feel okay inside. Right. And, and that is what really, uh, allows us to generalize that into our daily living, whether it's, you know, exercise, food, relationships, and back into our own selves. Right. We can really start to build a solid ground of resilience through learning these types of coping strategies to help us build a solid foundation. And that's kind of what I did when I was many moons ago, <laughs> I was quite young and I found a lot of relief in that. Yeah. 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 That's okay. amazing. That's really fascinating. And I just think it's funny. You said your son was two. I'm like, so instead of a puppy, you had a toddler. So okay. yes, uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, oh that does, gosh. that does sound like a, that, that does sound like a lot of inspiration for kind of finding a way to find calm. And, you know, I, I love that you're bringing it up because I think, I think a lot of the people that we work with get stuck in the mindset that they're by themselves and they're alone struggling with this. And, mm -hmm. you know, the reality is everyone's really kind of struggling with the fact that their reality feels like it's kind of all over the place. So I'm glad that you're bringing yes. this up. I feel like there's people going to be listening to this going, oh, I'm seen. This is it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Definitely. Yes. And um, there was Brene Brown. So it's going to make me think of her. She's quite mm -hmm. popular in our psychology world now. Uh, she talks about vulnerability, right? Vulnerability and love and belonging um, being the most essential qualities, being seen, just like you're talking about, Melanie, um, that when these things aren't met, uh, we don't function properly. So when we don't feel loved and we don't feel like we belong, uh, we don't function properly, like something is off. So essentially, we do need to feel seen and feel heard and feel not judged. Um, and a lot of times, especially, and I think that's what I see too sometimes is we see ourselves and I do this too. We, we judge ourselves, right? So sometimes we're our own worst enemy and that's sometimes where we have to start. We have to learn to, uh, of course, you know, try to have empathy for others, but we have to learn to not judge ourselves, right? Um, with some of the choices maybe that we've made throughout our lives that are kind of really hardwired into our brains that are you know, that actually worked for us at some time. So even with self-soothing, with food, um, the narratives that we have told ourselves from the past bring a lot of guilt and shame. And mm -hmm. sometimes those, those skills, those strategies worked for us for a really long time. And maybe now at a different place in our lives, those things just don't work anymore. And so we can start to cope in a different way and develop, um, a sense of love and belonging within ourselves and not feel alone in this, in this world. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's making me wonder, and this might be a hair off topic. So just divert me if I'm off, but um, <laughs> in your experience, Brittany, have you ever found that it's like, sometimes it comes across to me like some people that's their comfort zone like they're so used to being their own worst enemy that they that's like I don't, I don't know where they get a sense of like comfort or 
it's all they you know, know quote unquote peace yeah exactly because that's all they know um i'm just curious if you've you know felt the same experience or you know oh yeah Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and what is that? Right. So that's all we know. And I think too, that's why the group support milieu is so important, like seeking support, asking for help. So sometimes when people come into our groups, people have taken, have actually taken that first step being like something is completely off, right? I need to make a huge shift, a huge change. And then they've made it. And then we come in a positive choice. And we have this amazing program that really has all the pieces to the puzzle for them. So if they can kind of just get there, it is that group support. So in kind of the group support, we hear through other people talking everything, all those other pieces of that, you know, oh, I've been there too. Oh, I've done that too. Oh, she can say that. Or, oh, he can say that. And I don't judge them. Maybe I don't need to judge myself. Oh, you know, she did it last week. I had a hard time. Maybe I can get through it next week. You know, there's all of that, those kind of group dynamics occurring that help us to start to kind of forge ahead. So yes, definitely. I think, um, we do what we know and it's scary to kind of step into something that's new and different. And there are a lot of things that keep us wanting to go back, but that's, that's also kind of the facilitator too. So we're also there kind of stretching people's limits, allowing them to see that this is what we're doing, right? Like, what are we actually afraid of? What is like, what is the fear? And so you're kind of, you're bringing up a really good point, which it is, it's like the fear, like, what are we afraid of to, to do something different? If we keep doing the same thing that we were doing before, nothing right. will change. Yeah. Right. So Essentially, yes, we're going to keep doing what we were doing, but I mean, nothing, literally nothing will change, right? If we don't do something different, that's scary, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. I think I've heard there's like a quote that exists out there that's like, it's more dangerous to stay put than to like move forward or something like like take a step forward. I don't know, but that's what that reminds me of. Yes. and what's making me like this is where my brain's going. Cause I'm just thinking like, yeah, I, I think all of us have been in a position like that. We're like, we're much more complacent and, and I wouldn't say happy, but complacent where we are, whether it's benefiting mm-hmm. us or not, that there's that fear of change, right? I don't want to do something different. What if it's terrible? What if it doesn't work out for me? What if this goes wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And we can psych ourselves out of it. But I think to relate it back to the people that we work with, the bigger question is, well, how do you get out of that mindset to be okay with taking that step into that discomfort? You know, like, how do you lean into that and decide, I want to make changes here that aren't shoving food in my face to prevent myself from feeling badly? You know, like, what do we do here? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes I think what comes to mind for me is that we get so uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Mm hmm. In the way that things used to be. Sometimes we have to get to that point where we almost have no other choice but to move forward, right? So I see people come through and people want things to happen instantly. So once people come into the, to our classes, people want things to go faster than they even can possibly go, um, or come through our, you know, there's sometimes a little bit of, um, feelings about maybe going through the classes again. Um, but sometimes you have to go through the journey the first time just to like hear everything to get through exactly what you're talking about. Like I have to get through it the first time. So I literally stop 
getting through some of these urges because there was that first layer of whatever I was going through in order to kind of get to the place where I could just sustain the shakes or the modified plans or, yeah. you know, whatever. Oh, we see place that, that in healthy balance too. Exactly. Right? I've had people who took healthy balance like three times and then the third time through, they're like, I get it. And it's like, yes, oh, it took you eight months, but you got there. <laughs> exactly. And haven't you ever yeah. like had that experience too? Like I have that all the time. I'm yeah. like, I've read this a thousand times. Absolutely. And now I actually hear it. I, I always yeah. have it with patients where yep. like, I had a couple come in once and I told the husband the same thing that I've been saying to like the wife. And she's like, I've been telling him this over and over again, but you say it and he listens to you. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's another huge piece, right? That happens to us all the time. I can say things a million times to someone and they do not hear it. You go somewhere else. They say the exact same thing and you can hear it. And there's a, there's a beautiful thing about that, right? It, I think there is something to be said about asking for help and being vulnerable, right? So somebody telling you to do things or somebody that's in your immediate environment, seeing those things happen all the time and telling you, this is what you need to change, just change it versus someone seeking and asking for help and allowing that vulnerability to come in. And there's a willingness involved in that, right? To hear, I think sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just thinking... Personally, like if someone's like, you should do this. I'm like, you are not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. Like that's my reaction typically. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I don't like people telling me what to do. But if I'm mm-hmm. looking for help and I seek it, I'm more inclined to do it because I went out of my way to find it versus someone giving me unsolicited opinions or advice, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a big thing too in, the, in groups, right? We don't want to give advice and because yeah. it's so easy to come in and see the situation and be like, well, you do this, you do this and you do this and everything will be great. (laughs) That is not (laughs) how it works. Right. No, no. I think that's the misconception with our classes too. It's like, they're going to tell me what to do. It's like, eh, eh, (laughs) kind of. You're actually the problem solver. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a time and a place for that. Right. That, that is like problem solving is, a coping strategy and we need that sometimes, but I think sometimes mm. that's all we want because that's how our culture is set up. Like two mm. plus two is four, you know, get up, go to work, come home, have dinner, right? Like We're there's also all very these. Much not asking for help kind of culture either too. Exactly. Cause yes. what is asking for help, right? Like there's yeah. a stigma mm-hmm. yeah. associated with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it spans like the whole spectrum of how you would ask for help, whether it's for mental, physical, literal, like doesn't matter. Directions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great example. It is. You know, like your spouse is in the store. They don't know where something is and they're just wandering around angry because they can't find it, but they refuse to ask somebody where it is. (laughs) Refuse. Exactly. Yes. This is very common. I see. Yes. So that is that vulnerability, right? Because vulnerability is weakness, mm. right? Or that's how we yeah. kind of see that in our culture yeah. and, mm. and it's everywhere, right? We have to do it all alone by yourself. Otherwise it's weak. So for someone who might be in a situation where they want to start making changes, right? Like they're they're reaching that point of like all right something's got to give like i'm not ha- content where i'm at now 
like there's obviously still that that extra step of being vulnerable which may be like a barrier in and of itself like how would one like be vulnerable i don't know really how to phrase this question like you know how can we start to get more in tune with that and be able to open up a little bit more in that regard you know yeah definitely i think the main i think personally even if you're not just outright asking for help or if you're at home and you're just looking to make changes on your own. Honestly, I think some of the number one ways coming back to ourselves is to get in touch with, and it, it always comes back to like some of the um, getting in touch with our emotions and getting in touch with kind of the deep breathing. So starting to, you know, when we start to calm ourselves down um, inside, we can start to really understand what, we need, right? So our minds are going a million miles a minute. And I'm not talking about like sitting and meditating for 45 minutes, which would be fabulous, but just, you know, br some breathing exercises, like we, they talk about a lot that the military does like the box breathing, like breathing in for four counts, holding for four counts, breathing out for four counts, holding for four counts and repeating that as you walk through your day and learning to practice things like that. And other quick breathing exercises um, and then also getting in touch with your emotions. So just, just the, you know, essential emotions of like anger, joy, sadness, fear, disgust, just looking up some of like just very essential core emotions. Uh, sometimes I'll ask people to watch the, um, that movie, the one, um, Inside Out do mm -hmm. right the disney yep um, i do enjoy that movie it's a good movie it is <laughs> it, is it teaches you yeah. it is so good it teaches you about core emotions they had psychologists that consulted on the film and um it's really good to start helping you get in touch with like understanding emotions so really easy ways to start helping you identify your emotion in your body so like even right now like in the beginning of the podcast, I could fear, feel like a little bit of like anxiety and I could feel it in my chest and I could feel myself getting like a little sweaty and things like that. And, and as I'm right. And those things come and go. Right. Mm -hmm. And then now I feel kind of excited and less pressure. Right. So as things kind of come and go, I'm very aware of that now. And it didn't always used to be that way. So when I didn't understand that and I wasn't aware of the way that I felt as I was walking through my day, my life was so much more chaotic. I would react on everything I was, I didn't even know what I was reacting on, right? So at least now I'm aware of what I'm reacting on. And if I need to take that deep breath or if I need to do some of that box breathing in those moments, I can calm myself down to move forward in the next kind of sustainable-ish way. And I would say that is a really fabulous place to start. Love that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I personally understand the whole, like, I don't like to feel feelings. Feelings are dumb. I don't want that. Uh, so <laughs> like, right. Like I a hundred percent get that where it's like, I'm mad. No, I'm not. I'm going to not feel my feelings. And unfortunately that doesn't work. Um, because they manifest later on sometimes yes. in ways you don't want. And you're like, Oh, maybe I should dealt yeah. with that. Um, <laughs> so yes. I think that's really, really good advice just to kind of, just a good starting point of just like trying to just, you know, process and stay calm with those emotions that we're feeling that are inevitable. We feel feelings. That's, com mm -hmm. we're complicated creatures. Yes, yes. And I think in one of our 
uh, workshops, they talk about Jill Bolte Taylor. She researched like emotions and there's a whole backstory, but um, she talked about how she researched emotions and found that emotion and emotion actually lasts 90 seconds. So it's the oh. narrative, uh, the thoughts that we actually continue to tell ourselves after the emotion wow. that perpetuates the feeling that keeps everything kind of going. So, and, and that goes back to, if we think about like caveman days and bears, right? If a bear comes and approaches us, we'll feel fear, right? Yeah. And we all can objectively agree like what fear feels like. Now, if we each tell the story a little bit different, We'll all have a different narrative. And 10 years from now, we might still feel that fear or I might not feel anything from that story, but we still will have some feelings about that or maybe not, depending on what we tell ourselves about that story, right? Powerful thoughts. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, okay. So then, so let's say a hypothetical person has decided, okay, I'm going to start like focusing on, you know, how I'm feeling. Like, let's, let's get mm -hmm. to the crux of like, what's going on here? Why, why am I having this overwhelming feeling? Like I'm going to sit with it, you know, deal with it. We see box breathing is one technique here we could utilize, you know, what are other ways we could kind of calm ourselves a bit? Um, so I would say other, you know, other things that you're doing on the, on your, within your daily living. So things like exercise, right. To Yay. get things. That's all I wanted <laughs> to hear. Oh, okay. The podcast now we're done. That was it. Bye. <laughs> I mean, of course. Right. So if we think about exercise in and of itself, it's going to do the same thing to the nervous system as any kind of breathing does. Right. So it's going to lower our blood pressure. It's going to engage that parasympathetic nervous system. It's going to calm us down. Right. So if we are really stressed and that's usually the state that we're in. So if we go back to that bear analogy, that increases that cortisol in our bodies. And that's the state that we're in. That cortisol is only meant to last for a short period of time. In our world today, we see a lot of things in our world as a bear threat, which it is not, right? So we have a rampant amount of cortisol going through our bodies called the HPA axis. It just goes through our bodies and it gives us brain fog, gives us that belly, tire a little bit. So if we are exercising and we are calming ourselves down, it engages that parasympathetic nervous system. It's that same space that we're in kind of right before we go to sleep. And we get a lot of those endorphins and we get kind of some of that runner's high sometimes. So we feel really good. And we also are engaging that parasympathetic nervous system. So we can calm ourselves down, de-stress, and um, we can also notice how we feel in those moments. So after we work out, we feel amazing, right? So we feel so much better and we might not feel good in the beginning or we might be extremely tired. The only way to sometimes, right? And Melanie, you, you guys are probably better at this than me, but the only way to get more energy is to get that energy going, right? Yeah. So we, we have to mm -hmm. give a little to get more on the back end. So yeah. um yeah. So that's another way too. And then just walking with your emotions. So it's not about like, um, sitting with the emotion and just like being with it. It's more just like walking with it. So as I'm going to work or as I'm walking through my day, just like if I feel sadness and wherever I feel it in my body, I'm just like in my head, I just say, Oh, I feel sadness. I feel it in my stomach and I just keep walking. Just having that dialogue with myself is what is key just moving with it rather than not acknowledging it and not paying attention to it. 
right? Yeah. So it's like That's a good. two or three second flip. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, first off, it's interesting in the fact that, you know, emotions are only 90 seconds. That right there, I yeah. blew my mind. Did not know that. No, so me the the fact that we're letting this ninety second piece of our day dictate the rest of however we're feeling is pretty impressive, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. I was kind of blown away by that too. I was like, "Uh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm only happy for ninety <laughs> yeah, whole seconds." Me? Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's so, so then, crazy. Yeah. With, yeah. Even like the the realm of like negative emotions. Like I can totally see how it could last ninety seconds, but. I make it feel like it lasts all day because in my head, I'm like, you know? Yes. Yes. And we do that. So that's also normal. We have negativity bias, (laughs) right? So negativity bias is perfectly normal. It's again, caveman times meant to keep us alive and survive. So we go to the negative on, that's just what our brains do. So we, we, again, we calm ourselves down so we can switch and shift and when we shift in, in our brains too, it promotes cognitive flexibility, that flexibility in the brain, um, which is also really healthy for our brains to be able to shift and not be rigid in one thought, right? So have, you know, having had that experience, even just changing your mind about something when you were really, really like, I'm right on this. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, maybe I am wrong. Or maybe, oh my gosh, maybe I can do something different you kind of like you feel yourself kind of open up a little bit. You That's kind of have vulnerability that vulnerability you're talking yeah. about right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That letting go. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot that comes with that, right. That letting go. There's like a little bit of that forgiveness. There's a little bit of letting go. There's a let go of like anger, resentment. There's a lot underneath that. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. not just like that rigidity. We want to move away from that. We want to be flexible in our thinking. We want to be like, that scenario, like getting cut off in traffic. Sometimes we think, oh, you did this, right? When you get cut off in traffic, like that person did it on purpose, right? That's that negativity bias. That's normal to keep us alive, right? Because we might need to react in that moment. But then we think the next thought, oh, maybe they're rushing to work. I've done that before. Maybe they spilled their coffee on themselves. Maybe they're had a really bad day. Maybe something really bad happened in their lives and you know, yada, yada, yada. We build a little bit of empathy. We go to that other potential thought. Like neither thought is a fact. We don't know which one it is, but we choose the one that's more helpful for us. I'm very on the negative on that one. I hate traffic. So <laughs> like, right? like, oh, no. They're always out to get me. That, I, I don't up. know if I could change right? on that. <laughs> which is perfectly normal. But yeah. at the same time, like if we have the option to have choices, it helps sometimes. Yeah. No, that makes Absolutely. perfect sense. And so, you know, if someone's having like a really, really challenging time in their life for whatever reason, whatever's going on in their life, and they're turning to food, let's say, to give them that comfort, and they decide they would rather not, right? Yes. That's giving them that opportunity to now find the more empathetic, like, well, let's feel better in a healthier way, or maybe let's try something different, or let's call up an old friend, you know, like, maybe we can do a different approach here. Yes, kind of what I'm, that what flexibility, I'm right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it leaves room for that openness, that willingness, right? Yeah. One yeah. of the things I- I've talked to my classes about, because I've mentioned something kind of along the lines where it's like, it's all about like, I talk about how our emotions are kind of dammed up in this big dam in our heads, this, you know, dam, water, all the water back there is our emotions. And then, you know, dams aren't perfect. They spring leaks from time to time. And some of those emotions start coming out. We're like, I don't like that. 
and you have two options. You can go and look at the dam and go, okay, how do I fix this? How can I get to the crux of why it's leaking? What can I do to repair this or manage this or, you know, build that resiliency? Or I can shove cake inside of it and that will stop the leak temporarily. I love that. <laughs> and we all know how long that cake will last. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh, I love that analogy. You can take yeah, it. Good. I'm going to take it. <laughs> that is epic. That I is just really talked good. about it last night. So I was thinking about it, but... <laughs> But that's how it is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's where we get to in life sometimes. And I would argue, too, that even when we, you know, sometimes people also bring up, like, when we see people that look like they're not struggling, I would argue that everybody has their struggle, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another kind of Eastern kind of philo- uh, kind of job, John Cabot. I always go John Cabot's in Buddhist kind of philosophy. Everybody is suffering. Mm-hmm. Like, it is the human, it is human nature to suffer. So, it is also kind of a misnomer that like my life is worse than yours. Like everybody has something that they are going through. Um, so, you know, no one is actually alone in what they're going through. And I think that's something too, that's really important to identify is that life is very lifey. Like life is happening. It's in session and it's not meant to be easy peasy. So how can we get through it together? Um, how can you build that resilience you know, and we don't have to do it perfectly. So I always bring that caveat up. We're bringing up all these beautiful coping strategies and all this stuff at the same time. You can get upset in traffic. You can, sometimes you will have to build, you know, patch the dam up with a little cake here and there. Like it's okay to not be perfect too. Right. Mm-hmm. So we talk about mm-hmm. all of these things and at the same time, it is perfectly fine to be yourself at the same time. Right. You start to integrate kind of these ideals with who you are. It's not about going back to like, I don't ever want to go back to who I was. No, it's like you are integrating who you are, which is perfectly beautiful. And you're bringing in these other new educational ideas, which probably should have been taught to us when we were kiddos, which are being taught to our kiddos now. That's great. That's great news actually to hear that. Yeah. They are. Yes, they are like social, emotional resilience in the education systems now, which is good. So a lot of these things are very easy to understand, but we have to practice them. It's like going to the gym. Our brain is like that muscle. We just have to. (laughs) Just have to Mm. practice. Well, shoot. I wish it was easier than that. Uh (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Uh, Mm. Well, unfortunately, it's about that time, but I very, very much appreciate this talk. This was just such a wonderful discussion in terms of, you know, inner calm, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Brittany casually dropping wisdom all over the place. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Always welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, but with that being said, uh, for everyone who's listening, make sure you like, share, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you comment below. Um, But with that being said, until next time, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.